We are the Uggs, and you're listening to the Catholic Foodie, Episode 8. Welcome to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. My name is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, and I'm so glad you're here. Well, what's on the menu today? Well, we're going to talk about something I think that'll be fairly interesting to you. You may never have heard of the Maronite Catholic Church, but we're going to talk about the Maronite Catholic Church and also the other, uh, just briefly, what a rite is, R-I-T-E, a rite, and the various churches that make up the Catholic Church. So that's on the menu today. And also we have a beer tasting, and my wife may share a little bit about uh, her experience on retreat this past week. She got to go on retreat this past weekend, actually, last weekend. And uh, the Friday morning before she left, she actually was able to go to a talk by Immaculee. And I can't pronounce her last name correctly, at least not right now. I don't have it in front of me. But she is from Rwanda, and she is a survivor of uh, the Rwandan uh, genocide. And she wrote a book, actually. The book was entitled... um, Left Behind, or not Left Behind, was it Left to Tell? She wrote Left to Tell that recounts her experience in Rwanda during the massacre, which lasted 91 days and killed over a million people. So she survived that, and we're going to talk about that today in this show, The Catholic Foodie, Where Food Meets Faith. Wow, something smells good. Those, uh goodies in there. Granny, Granny Puckett, the goodie lady? My goodness, she makes some good goodies. She's got a thing. It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, cookies, shortbread chocolate icing between very, it's good. Uh, it's very good. Well, I don't know about you, but I am exhausted. It has been a busy, busy week. Uh, Char was on retreat last weekend, as I just mentioned, and I was home with the kids, and if you recall last episode, or the last two episodes, since I did uh, break up episode 7 into part A and part B, uh, I made pizza all last weekend. So uh, two days in a row we did the pizza thing, which was a lot of fun. The kids loved it, we loved it, and of course when Char came back home and found out we ate nothing but pizza all weekend, um, well that wasn't too pretty, but anyway, she got over that. And she had such a wonderful experience last weekend. I mean, it started on Friday uh, morning with Immaculee and her uh, her experience, you know, her uh, talk about her experience in Rwanda and how faith in God, the power of forgiveness, and the power of prayer have completely changed her life. And so that's amazing. And and I felt extremely edified, and I guess you could say convicted to become even more serious about my faith after hearing what John had to say about uh, the talk she heard from Immaculate and also um, from her experiences during the, the retreat. So hopefully she can join us la- uh, later and share a little bit about what she experienced last weekend. Now, in addition to that, it's been a busy week. We had what? We had uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Of course, we had the uh, inauguration uh, yesterday, Saturday the 24th, was my oldest daughter's birthday. She turned eight years old. And not only did she turn eight years old, but she also uh, celebrated the her first reconciliation, what used to be called first penance, uh, first confession. Uh, so she got to do that yesterday morning, and then we had a party yesterday, um, yesterday uh, afternoon. 
And uh, it's, so it's just been a busy, busy uh, week. Actually, I've made king cakes, believe it or not. Uh, a couple of episodes back, I think episode six, I talked about king cakes, and I said that I I never really tried to uh, to make them, that baking is just not my thing, other than pizza, of course. Uh, however, I did decide I've got to try this. So uh, two days in a row, actually, I uh, I made king cakes. I guess I'm into this two-day-in-a-row thing. But anyway, on Thursday night, I stayed up till... Uh, about one o'clock in the morning, baking two king cakes uh, for an event that I had with my son on uh, Friday night. He's part of the. We're a part of the Blue Knights, which is a uh, father-son uh, organization, Catholic organization. It's kind of like Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts, but uh, it's really focused on uh, faith and virtue. And uh, we have it at our parish, St. Peter Parish, here in Covington. And so we went to that on Friday. I was the one who was speaking that night. Uh, we usually have a little teaching uh, for the kids, and I talked on the Holy Spirit. And I also made king cake to bring. So I did that Thursday night. I stayed up to about 1 o'clock. It's the first time that I tried to make king cake um, in, in, I guess, about 10 years or so. And uh, I really, you know, after having done it, I can look back and say I really didn't like that recipe at all. Uh, but I did make those two king, two king cakes. And on Friday, uh, I knew that I was going to make a king cake for Annabelle's birthday on Saturday. Uh, that was her request. She wanted a king cake for her birthday cake. So um, on Friday, I kind of got ready to do this. Friday evening, Friday, I just I started cooking or I started to, to portion out everything, the flour and getting the yeast almost ready uh, to, to, to activate the yeast. And I just I stopped. I was like, you know what? I can't do this. <laughs> I am so tired from being up so late last night. I just can't cook tonight. So I ended up getting up early on Saturday morning and uh, and cooking. And this other recipe, which I will post on the website, okay, catholicfoodie.com, this other recipe was phenomenal. I mean, this king cake was unbelievable. It was huge. And I mean, you just have to see the pictures of it. I'm, I'll put the pictures on the website. This thing was just huge and it was beautiful and we had people who came over to eat and they all loved it and I'm not trying to brag or anything I'm genuinely surprised at myself I'm genuinely um excited because something that I worked on for for hours and hours actually came out uh so much better than I expected I mean it was it was way beyond my expectations so anyway it was a cream cheese filled king cake and uh I may have Annabelle or or um Char, somebody, talk about the king cake later. So just a busy couple of weeks. Oh, in addition to the king cake and the birthday, and in addition to the first reconciliation, on Friday night, the night before her birthday, Annabelle lost her seventh tooth. So the tooth fairy got to come and visit us that night, and she was just so excited. So she had a wonderful day, and we were very, very happy for her. So what is a rite, R-I-T-E? 
What is a rite? Well, sometimes you may um, have heard that word when it talks about certain aspects of the liturgy, like you have the penitential rite and you have the uh, baptismal rite, things like that, which that that basically is referring to certain celebrations, specific components of of sacramental se- uh, celebrations. But when we talk about rites in, ref- in reference to churches, uh, let me give you the definition, actually. I, uh, I found this on the EWTN website. Uh, it's, I guess, answers from experts, and this is what it has to say. It says, a rite represents an ecclesiastical or church tradition about how the sacraments are to be celebrated. Each of the sacraments has, its, has at its core an essential nature, which must be satisfied for the sacrament to be confected or realized. This essence of matter, form, and intention derives from the divinely revealed nature of that particular sacrament. It cannot be changed by the church. Scripture and tradition, as interpreted by the magisterium, tells us what is essential in each of the sacraments. But within that that sort of, uh, you know, you have the, the, the essence of the sacrament, right? And those sacraments can't be changed. However, you do have certain ecclesiastical or church traditions that celebrate the accidental or the external form of these rites uh, or these uh, sacraments in, in different ways. And they basically uh, spring up, or the, the, the rites have uh, sprang up from various geographical places in the early church. There are three major groupings of rites based on the initial transmission of the faith. You have the Roman rite, which is what most of us are part of. If you're here in the United States, most of us are part of the Roman rite, the Latin rite of the Roman Catholic Church. There's also the Antiochian, the Alexandrian, and then later on, uh, the Byzantine. It was derived, actually, as a major rite from the Antiochian under the influence of Saints Basil and John Chrysostom. And from these four, these four rites, there are over, uh, or these four, I guess we should say groupings of rites, uh, there are over 20 liturgical rites present in the church today. So that's a lot. And matter of fact, uh, the better way of looking at this is that there are a total of eight rites in the church. Let me see if I can find that. I have this right here on the uh, on a website. There are eight rites within the Roman Catholic Church. But within those eight rites, there are actually 22 Catholic churches. And you have to understand what the church, the the Catholic Church means when it refers to churches. Every diocese can be referred to as a church, right? The Church of New Orleans, the Church of Baton Rouge, or whatever. It's, it, it's, it has to do with the bishop and the bishop's authority in a particular area. That's why we have dioceses and archdioceses and whatever. Uh, those are sees, right? Like you have the Holy See in Rome, the Diocese of Rome. It is a particular church, the Church of Rome. So the, the, the Catholic Church refers to these different places, geographical locations, as the church or a church. Now, there's also we can also refer to churches as assemblies of people. So you have, in the, in the Latin rite, we have an assembly, right? The, the Latin church, the Roman rite, the Latin church, which is assembled over the Bishop of Rome or under the Bishop of Rome, uh, who happens to be the Pope, Right. So uh, the, the the assembly of the faithful under the leadership of the, the, the of the of the shepherd of that particular church, uh, the Latin Church, that is what comprises or makes up the Latin Church, which is part of the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. 
So you have 22 Catholic churches underneath these eight different rites. And here are the rites. These, these once again, come from geographical places where there was uh, very early on in the Catholic Church, in the, in the church tradition, when the gospel was preached, the faith was transmitted to these different locations, and they all kind of developed their own way of celebrating the faith, celebrating the sacraments. All the essentials are there. Everything is there that is part, that makes them part of the Roman Catholic Church, but the way they live these things out sacramentally can be a little bit different. So you have the Armenian Rite, the Byzantine Rite, the Coptic Rite, the Maronite Rite, the East Syrian Rite, the West Syrian Rite, and the Ethiopian Rite. Uh, so if you think about this, you've got, let's see, the Coptic Rite. The Coptic Rite, I believe, it comes out of Egypt. And uh, you have the Coptic Church, which is part of that. Uh, the Eastern Syrian Rite has the Chaldean Church and the Syro-Malabar Church. Have you all heard of these? <laughs> A lot of people have never heard of any of this stuff, but that's okay. And the Ethiopian Rite, of course, you have the Ethiopian Church. But when you look at the Byzantine Rite, there are several, probably 10 or 11 different rites, 12 rites, in the, uh, there's 12 of them, in the Byzantine, I'm sorry, 12 churches within the Byzantine Rite. you got the Melkite Church, the Ukrainian, Ruthenian, Romanian, the Greek Church in Greece. You also have the Greek Church in former Yugoslavia. You have the Bulgarian Church, the Slavic Church, Hungarian, Russian, Belarus, uh, Belarusian, and the Albanian Church. All these different churches come underneath the umbrella of the Byzantine Rite. Now, when we talk about all these different rites and churches, you have to understand that all of these, all the ones I've been talking about so far, all of them come under the Roman Catholic Church. All of them are in full communion with the Holy Father. Right? Uh, they're Catholic. So me and you, as Catholic, uh, as, as Roman Catholics, Latin Church Catholics, if, if you're part of the Latin Church, if we went to any of these other churches and celebrated the Eucharist with them, right? if we were there at, for Mass, for their liturgy of the Eucharist, we could receive communion in those churches without any needing any kind of special permission or any sort of dispensation or anything like that because we're 100% in communion in the faith with the Holy Father in the Roman Catholic Church. So if you were to go to one of these churches, of course the liturgy itself would look different. The, the essence of it would be the same. That You could tell the different um, parts of the Mass would all be there, but it's all celebrated in a very different kind of way. A lot of the Eastern churches, you have a lot of uh, incense that's used. Um, a lot of times they are, they stand during the Eucharistic prayer instead of kneeling. And once again, this is all part of their tradition. So, But we are free as Latin Church Catholics and any of these other churches. We can receive the Eucharist or any of the sacraments. Or actually, let me back up there for a second. You can receive penance and any of the other sacraments except for baptism and any of these other churches, if you're like part of the Latin church, okay? Or if you're part of a different church, like the Melkite church, then you can still receive all these sacraments in any of the other Roman Catholic churches, okay? Uh, now, I say, I say without, except baptism for one reason only. Of course, you could be baptized in any of these churches, but basically, if you're baptized, let's say you're baptized into the Coptic church, well, then you're really part of the Coptic rite. You're not part of the Latin church, all right? Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that because you're still part of the Roman Catholic Church. Anyway, um, so you, we can do that. 
However, this is not to be confused with the Eastern Orthodox churches, right? The Orthodox Church is still not in communion with the Roman Catholic Church. Um, the Orthodox Church is extremely close, and and uh, actually, it's it's identical in nature with the Roman Catholic Church. All their sacraments are valid. Uh, they have apostolic succession. Um, they uh, the, the the faith that is handed on there in the uh, Orthodox Church is the same faith that we believe as Roman Catholics, except for a couple of points, and that's what prevents them from being in full communion with with Rome, with the Holy Father, and that's the only thing that separates us. In practice, what they practice as far as the sacraments and all of that identical to the Roman Catholic Church. In essence, um, their Eucharist is valid. The sacraments they celebrate are valid. Their ordinations are valid because they have apostolic succession. However, there are a few points of, of faith, a few points that, that we just don't agree on, and because of that, we are not united 
Now, nowadays, like in the United States, if you go to a liturgy, a Maronite liturgy, you will have uh, most of the, 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 the liturgy itself taking place in English because that's the language of the people. But if you had been in Lebanon, of course, it would be in Arabic. And uh, um, so that would be most of the Mass. Now, one of the most beautiful aspects of the Maronite liturgy is the fact that the entire Eucharistic prayer is in Aramaic. And Aramaic, for those of you who don't know it, was the language that Jesus spoke. That was his, I mean, he spoke other languages as well. I mean, it's assumed that he spoke, he knew some Latin at least and uh, and whatnot. But uh, Aramaic was what he spoke on a daily basis. So the entire Eucharistic prayer in the Maronite church is in Aramaic. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful to listen to that. Um, you know, of course, as a, as an Eastern church, it does. There's a lot of incense. There's a, a a lot of chanting throughout Mass. Most of the Mass is chanted, and uh, there's just a sense of the sacred, a sense of just like you know you are in a sacred place when you're there. And it's kind of like you know I know there's a lot of you know some people uh, like it and some people don't, but the 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 Latin liturgy, you know, and part of the Roman rite, um, going to Mass in Latin, uh, a lot of people love it and a lot of people don't and i think a lot of times people criticize it because you don't understand what's going on uh but if you were to put that aside for a second and just look at it for what it is look at it almost as a as a uh, as a work of art right this is a prayer that has become a, a beautiful work of art i mean just to be part of a liturgy in latin there's something almost mystical about it there's something just just beautiful and uh, otherworldly, and it, it's just you know you're in a sacred place, and it's the same thing too with these Eastern uh, liturgies, and for me particularly the the Maronite liturgy. You know you're in a sacred place. It is something mystical that's going on, and it's beautiful to be a part of that. And I mean, I could say so much more. I think what I'm going to do, just for time purposes, uh, time constraints, I'm going to go ahead and post some links on the website at catholicfoodie.com. Uh, so you can learn more about St. Charbel, and you can learn more about the Maronite liturgy. There's actually even a couple of YouTube videos you could see where you actually, you know, you can see the liturgy being performed. And this one in particular is really beautiful where they show the consecration, and there's about eight priests concelebrating this liturgy, and uh, the entire thing, of course, is chanted in Aramaic. So it's beautiful. I will put a link in the show notes. Oh, you gotta taste this! This is, oh, it's got this kind of, mm, it's burning, melty, it's not really a smoky taste. It, it, it's a certain, oh, it, it's kind of like a, you know, it's got like this boom, zap kind of taste. Don't you think? What, what would you call that flavor? Lightning-y? Yeah. It's lightning-y! Oh, we gotta do that again! Okay, when the next storm comes, we'll go up on the roof. I know what this needs. Saffron. A little saffron would make this! Saffron. Why do I get the feeling it's, it's in, in the, the kitchen. kitchen? Well, here we are in the kitchen once again, and we're going to try a new beer. I was just out at the grocery this evening, and I almost tripped over myself when I saw this beer. It's a local beer. Uh, the brewery is called Abita, Abita Brewery, A-B-I-T-A, Abita Brewery. And I've been, uh, I mean, they've been around for a number of years, and I've been drinking their beer for a long time. It's really good beer. They come out with a Mardi Gras 
Bach every year, and they have uh, one of their specials. It's like, it's like a chocolate stout called Turbo Dog. And uh, they have a, an amber and a purple haze, which has raspberry in it. They've got all kind of stuff. Anyway, this particular beer is in a, uh, a tall bottle. It's a, a pint and six full ounces, uh, 650 milliliter bottle. And it is entitled Abbey Ale. Abbey Ale. And there's a picture on the front of St. Uh, Joseph's Abbey. Of St. Joseph's Abbey, which is uh, right here in Covington. And it's a Benedictine monastery. And on the campus of this monastery is the uh, the seminary college uh, from which I campus, graduated. <laughs> well, campus meaning... Okay, yes, it, I guess it's, so. It's, Correct. You Correct. Know, okay. It's from the Latin campus, campus. Uh, anyway, so I graduated from the seminary college that's attached to the uh, monastery. So I had no idea that Abita came out with this, and it looks like it's brand new. Uh, I don't recall seeing it in the store even this past weekend. So uh, they must just be putting this out now. And we are so excited. It's just so cool because the Abbey is just a gorgeous, gorgeous church. Yep. And, and, yep, and we just went to Mass there today? yesterday. Yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we, um, anyway, at one point we were staying very close to the Abbey and uh, the grounds there was really like the kids' playground. And uh, it's so beautiful, so peaceful. And we were feeding the geese out there just yesterday. Mm-hmm. So it's just really cool to see it on the bottle. That's right. And, and it means the, the, the art itself is really, I mean, it's very pretty. I'm going to have to take a picture of this bottle and uh, put it on the website. I'm really, really impressed. God bless you, Christopher. I'm really impressed with this bottle. Anyway, the back of the bottle, and it's an ale, by the way. It is an ale. Uh it says, Abbey Ale honors the ancient tradition of monks who perfected the art of brewing, brewing, brewing beer to support the monastery and the brothers with their liquid bread. We offer up our support and thank them with a 25-cent donation to St. Joseph Abbey with every bottle of this heavenly brew. Dark and amber color, the aroma of caramel, fruits and cloves invite you to contemplate the creamy head of this double, or double L, Double ale. Uh, double ale. Avita Abbey Ale is a multi brew, top fermented, and bottle aged to rapturous perfection. So, very good. I haven't looked at it. It looks like, uh, is there a sediment? Hard to tell in this bottle. Very hard to tell in this bottle. Open it. But if it's bottle aged, we'll see. So, all right. I, I guess we will open this up now and then take a picture later. So here we go. Alright. Smells pretty good. Mm. How it smells? All the kids I want to smell too. Mm. Oh, it smells like soy sauce. Soy sauce. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about soy sauce, buddy. It smells like it. Now it doesn't. It got a, it's got an after smell. And Amber kind of caramel. Color looks pretty. Color. Yeah, that's what it smells like now, caramel. It it, it, it it just smells very good. I want to taste it. Me too. Can we have a little soup? No, you cannot. No <laughs> Mainly because the whole world is hearing this, and I don't want the cops to come and get me. 
jeez. Do you have to do that? Uh, I don't get that. Right, no, no sediment. At least I don't think that was sediment. Okay, come on, boo. I want to try it. I'm All impatient. Right. I want to have right, a sip. Here we go. Cheers. Cheers. It's wow. Good. I like it. It's very good. No. Smooth. Oh, very smooth. Kids, that's enough. You're not adults get all the treats. Why the adults get all the treats? That's a good question. It does have yeah. a caramel, <coughs> caramel aroma, and uh, has a, a, a hint of funny. sweetness. A hint of sweetness to it, huh? It's very nice. I like it. Okay. There's a lot to it. Mm -hmm. Not fair. The adults get all the sweets. And it's a. Um, it's not. Oh, it's not a light beer. Probably like a medium body kind of ale. It's, not it's a, an ale. It's not a stout. It's sure. not a beer. It's not a stout. It's an ale. Oh, I love it. So, okay. This may be one ale of my favorites. Ale is for both women and men. I think beer is only for men. Very interesting. You do. Yes. I think stout is for men. <laughs> okay. And well, this was the tasting of the Abita Abbey Ale. And um, I, I, I will hope, at least I do hope, to talk a little bit more about that uh, later. And also, I certainly hope to try this again. So that's the title. So, uh, everybody, we can. Everybody can say. Can y'all say bon appetit? Bon appetit. Bon appetit. Hello, Jeff. This is Mike from New Jersey, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about what's going on in my kitchen. If you listen closely, you can hear a sound in the background. That sound has to do with what's going on in my kitchen, or actually right now my basement. Uh, this past week, my friend Paul came over, and we brewed some beer. The style of beer we brewed is called a Hefeweizen. That is a German term for a wheat beer with the yeast left in. Actually, in home brewing, it's easier to leave the yeast in the beer unless you have equipment to filter it out. So a Hefeweizen it is. Uh, it's a light-colored beer with a big creamy head. Um, it's kind of sweet and malty and not very bitter. And it has very interesting flavor and interesting aroma. And in fact, I can put my nose near the... Uh, fermenting beer and smell it and it smells a little bit like bananas and maybe cloves or cinnamon. It's kind of spicy. Uh, it's a very delicious beer. I'm looking forward to tasting it when it's finished, but of course it's not finished yet. Uh, if any of your listeners are interested in brewing beer, it's actually quite an interesting hobby. There's many, many different beers you can brew. The one thing I would recommend is that you find a beer style that you like to drink. Uh, in my case, I was given a beer brewing kit back, oh, in about 20 years ago, and I brewed it according to the instructions and tasted it and said, oh, I, this is terrible. I must have done something horribly wrong. I knew nothing about beer at the time, but uh, I happened to be out uh, at a restaurant and ordered a beer 
just on a whim and found out that it tasted just like the beer that I had made that I didn't like. And it turns out that it was just a beer style that I didn't like. It wasn't that I had done anything wrong with the beer. So I bought some more ingredients and tried again and uh, found out that I really enjoyed doing it and I really enjoyed the fruits of my labor. If you're interested in brewing, there are quite a number of brew kits out there that have just about everything you need. You really don't need a lot of equipment. The only thing other than a big pot is a fermenter. Uh, mine is a big glass bottle and you put a stopper in the end with what's called an airlock, which is the thing that you hear bubbling. Uh, it's basically a little, if you're familiar with like a P-trap in under your sink, under the, the um, in the drain there's that little kind of P-shaped or S-shaped curve uh, and that basically prevents sewer gas from coming into your house. Uh, there's the same kind of a thing put in the stopper of the fermenter that prevents air that might contain bacteria from your house from getting into the beer. And uh, as the beer ferments, the gases produced by the yeast, the carbon dioxide, bubbles out through this airlock, and that's the sound that you're hearing. Anyway, I could go on and on about beer, and about brewing beer, and about drinking beer, but I'm sure you've got some things to say on the subject, and I don't want to take up your whole show. So, I'll sign off. Thanks for producing The Catholic Foodie. I really enjoy the podcast, and God bless. Bye-bye. Well, Mike, thank you so much for talking about your home brewing adventure. I'm, uh, I'm jealous. First of all, I would love to be brewing my own beer. And secondly, I need to figure out a way to get up to New Jersey when that beer is ready and, and try it out. Well, if you would like to leave feedback for The Catholic Foodie, you could do so by sending me an email at catholicfoodie at gmail.com. And you can also call the listener feedback line at 985-635-4974. 985-635-4974. And when you call that number, you can leave a message, and I'm able to take that message and play it on the show. So let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what's going on in your kitchen. Uh, if there's anything in particular you'd like to share, maybe your favorite restaurant, a favorite dish, uh, perhaps you have a suggestion on a particular cuisine, something you would like to hear more about here on the show, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. Well, we have reached the end of this show, and uh, as if you remember at the beginning of the show, we talked about, uh, or at least I had mentioned that we would hear from uh, my wife, from Char, about her retreat experience and uh, the talk that she heard from Immaculee. And uh, we'll, we just don't have time for that uh, in this show. Uh, Char was unable to be here at the time of this recording, so we're going to have to save that for the next episode or uh, perhaps the episode after that. Uh, we're going to try to get to it as soon as possible. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. And until next time, bon appetit.